Hello everyone, my name is Oldar. Welcome to another episode of Ask Me About North Korea, a podcast about the most reclusive country in the world. In this podcast, I'm answering the most widespread questions about North Korean politics, society, and culture, in a short and concise manner, based on factual evidence. If you like this podcast, I would be grateful if you could share it with your friends, leave a positive review, make a donation, or subscribe. You can also visit the podcast website, www.askmeaboutdprk.wordpress.com. There you can access episode transcripts, as well as some other materials, such as book reviews, film recommendations, and online events. As the name of the podcast suggests, please feel free to ask me questions in your comments and reviews. I will do my best to answer them in the next episodes. And now, let's start. Our guest today is Justin Martel, an American producer and a co-founder of Ship to Shore Phonoco record label. Justin Martel in 2017 also founded the YPT's partner, Pioneer Media, offering production services across a wide variety of unique locations from Asia to Eastern Europe. He has worked extensively in the horror movie genre and has written the foremost authoritative book, Tiny Tim. I'm happy to welcome Justin on the podcast, and I hope that you will enjoy this interview. The interview will focus on an album which has been recently released by Ship to Shore Phonoco. The album is called Take On Us, Pyongyang Gold Stars, and was a product of intense international and intercultural cooperation. Here's one of the tracks in the album, a North Korean cover of a famous Norwegian song, Take On Me. Thank you. 
let's start. And uh, first and foremost, thank you for taking your time to have this interview. I'm sure this will be very interesting for um, my listeners. And to start, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and about your colleague, Martin? Yes, so I'm a filmmaker and an author and a music distributor from the United States. And like most people in the US, I had a fascination with North Korea for many years. Um, and around 2013, when tensions, I guess you could say, were at an all-time high between the Obama administration and Pyongyang, I became really obsessive about North Korea. And I began to pretty much read anything and everything I could get my hands on um, that was you know, even remotely related to the subject. Um, and in 2015, I made my first trip to North Korea and I worked making travel promos and I was writing sort of slice of life style blogs and articles for Young Pioneer Tours promoting travel and tourism to North Korea. Um, and I did this up until the Trump imposed travel ban on Americans visiting North Korea in 2017. In fact, I was I, one of the last Americans to leave the country the day the ban went into effect in September of 2017. Um, and a little bit more, I mean, of course I was hired specifically to, to promote tourism to North Korea. And you know, accordingly, I portrayed the country in the best possible light. But that said, it might be, well, it might be easy for journalists looking to write a negative story on the country to see what they want to see and find those stories. I did not feel as though I was going out of my way to, to manipulate my content to portray the country positively. So I just made an effort to focus on the country's unique culture, history, and of course, the warmth of its people, and just tried to create positive, engaging, and truthful promotional materials portraying North Korea as one of the world's most unique travel destinations. And that was not difficult. Um, and while working with YPT, I of course had been aware of the work of Norwegian artist Morten Travik. Morten is a theater director trained in Russia and Sweden. And prior to his work in North Korea, he was already well known for a wide range of international multimedia projects, which combined both art and activism. Um, so Morton had been visiting, uh, so Morton had been making regular visits to North Korea since 2008. And by the time I started visiting the country, he was already very well known as the man behind Slovenian experimental group Leibach's historic concert in Pyongyang, for instance. And that was the, the first event of its kind, certainly the first performance by a Western rock group in the country with which YPT was also involved. I right. think that kind of I think that kind of sets us up. That sort of sets the stage for this whole thing. It does. So uh, let's switch to the uh, topic of uh, our today's episode, and uh, let's talk about more uh, about your current project, the special edition of vinyl record "Take on Us: Pyongyang Gold Stars Play Great Popular Hits, Volume One," and. Uh, if you look at this, first and foremost, of all the possibilities for musical cooperation, why North Korea? So you have your personal interest, and of course you've met Martin, and uh, perhaps there are some other factors that push you in this direction. Yeah, I mean, I, it's really, it's, yes, it's multifold, as you just said. So, you know, at the base level, I think art is a great way for people from very different walks of life and with opposing worldviews to engage and find common ground and collaborate. Um, and that, that, of course, can build the foundation for cooperation, which can hopefully lead to what I would say, you know, better relations across the board. 
And that's sort of the essence and should be the main motivation behind any Western engagement with the DPRK, whether it's artistic or humanitarian. Um, so that's point number one. Um, from a purely art artistic standpoint, I mean, I would say no matter what you think of the North Korean government, anyone who has seen videos of North Korean musicians, whether it be like your small art troops or, of course, the grand and epic mass games performances. I think we can all agree that North Korean artists perform at a level of skill and dedication that is probably unmatched in most of the world. So during my trips to the country, I had the opportunity, for instance, to see performances at the Day Children's Palace. And a lot of the Western tourists that were with me or would be like on the trips, or even Westerners who, you know, watch videos of these performances and they see these amazing children performers and they like remark that it's so weird to, you know, to see children performing with like that level of skill and discipline. But I don't know, on the flip side of it, I mean, it is unusual to see, I, I suppose, but I think it's also a great example of what children can achieve when they start, you know, with their artistry at a young age and, you know, when they're not playing angry birds or watching funny TikTok videos, right? I mean, so there's that. Um, from a business, business standpoint, I think it's fairly obvious. I mean, the West and America in particular, you know, has a fascination with North Korea, which I would go so far as to call a fetish. So in that sense, being able to capitalize on this curiosity with this first wide release of music by North Korean musicians on vinyl in the West, I think is great from a PR standpoint. Right. So how did this idea of recording the album come to be in the first place? Yeah, well, I had been interested in releasing North Korean music ever since my first trip to the country. I mean, so I, you know, shipped to Shore Phonoco, the record label. We founded that in 2013. And, you know, I obviously seeing videos of popular North Korean groups like, you know, the uh, Morumbong Band, which I think everybody is, is well known at, at this point. Um, and I had wanted to explore releasing some of that music, but um, it became very clear that such a project, especially with an American record label, would take years to realize. And again, my window of visiting the DPRK was 2015 to 2017. I hope to you know, revisit that when uh, I'm able to return. Um, but, you know, from and then again, I wasn't involved in Morton's project while he was there doing it. So I'm going to try to, you know, represent that process to the best of my ability. And what I would say from just talking with Morton and also based on what I know, it takes a long time to get things done in North Korea, period. You know, it's a place that I would say is largely driven by inertia. So, you know, people get their basic needs subsidized by the government and are, you know, I think in a lot of cases fairly just to do their thing, do their job, you know, keep their head down, participate in society and, if one goes above and beyond, of course, there can be a certain reward in that, but there's also the possibility that they could end up in trouble. You know, as one of my North Korean counterparts told me, while I was working on a project there, he said, if you spit up in the air, it can end up on your face. So I would say that anything even, you know, remotely outside of the box is approached with a 
a lot of caution by the North Korean side. So from what I know, you know, Morton from 2008, he was able to establish a great relationship and trust with his counterparts in the North Korean Committee for Cultural Relations with Foreign Countries. And this particular project, Pyongyang Gold Stars, began in 2011. And I believe Morton visited the Kamsung Music School number one. And as he has told it, he brought with him a CD of the Norwegian 80s synth pop group, AHA. And he had originally intended to gift that CD to the Grand People's Study House in Pyongyang, but he decided to leave it with this music school's accordion teacher and uh, decided to challenge them and asked if the students could learn AHA's biggest hit, Take On Me. And he returned to the school a few days later and the students played from memory, no sheet music, no notes, the version of Take On Me that you we heard, I think, at the beginning of this podcast. And Morton filmed the performance and he later released the video on YouTube and the, it went viral and it even got a shout out on Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. So this inspired him to return in 2013 and record the same students covering the whole of AHA's 1985 album, Hunting High and Low, with also with some DPRK songs thrown in for good measure. As for my own involvement, uh, Morton and I missed each other while we were in the DPRK at the same time. Um, but we were able to finally meet up in 2019 when I was filming a movie in Albania, actually. And Morin was there doing an exhibit around his activities in North Korea called Guardians of Paradise, Man and Masses in North Korea. Gareth Johnson of Young Pioneer Tours was working with me on the film because it was actually a co-production through our production company, Pioneer Media. And so we set a meeting with Morin in Tirana and Morin brought a copy of the album on CD he had done a limited CD release uh, of the record. And I was really blown away by all the additional tracks on top of Take On Me and sort of the overall presentation and design. It was just a beautiful package. And, you know, again, the type of thing that I had wanted to do or really a, a type of project I'd wanted to be involved in since first visiting the country. Um, and so I just said to Morin, I said, you know, we were, you know, had a whole conversation over a few beers and I just said, why don't we do a vinyl release of this? And uh, voila, uh, in 2021, we have Take On Us. Pyongyang Gold Stars play the great popular hits, volume one. And it's been released in the, in the West on special edition revolutionary red vinyl. To give uh, our listeners a taste of what that is, let's listen to another track from the album.
So what do you think makes this album so special? Yeah, well, I think it's obviously historic as it's the first wide release of music performed by North Korean musicians in the West or to be released in the, in the West, rather. And I'm proud that we've been able to present it in the best possible light. And we're using Morton's teams as sort of uniquely DPRK inspired design and aesthetic. But I would say without the fetishization or the or mocking the idiosyncratic elements of North Korean culture that you so often see when anything North Korea related is presented in, in the West. Right. Yeah. And uh, this obviously has to do with the fact that many topics related to North Korea are very heavily politicized. So from that perspective, was it difficult for you to work on this project? Perhaps there were other difficulties, technical or something else? I mean, you know, for me, it was not difficult and I because I wasn't there or involved in the recording itself. Martin, Martin, of course, is the one who made it happen. And, I, you know, that required a lot of patience and hard work over multiple trips that he made to the country. And I know that he sort of bore the entirety of the challenging aspects of such a collaboration. But I know that he feels it was worth it. Um, for us, I, it was not uh, it's, it's I will say, I mean, it has been a bit of a a slow burn uh, in terms of getting the media to report on it. And I think that while it, it piques people's curiosity, you know, oh, wow, that's, that's really interesting. I think that, you know, especially for any American journalists, even music critics or writers, you know, they're, it, there's a, they're unsure how to report on it because, you know, we have to say, that, you know, there's, no good publicity when it comes to North Korea. I mean, you know, you look at even people who have achieved great things. I mean, you know, there's the summits between uh, President Trump and Marshall Kim Jong-un, of course, would have never been possible without the efforts of Dennis Rodman. And we all know what the media did to Dennis Rodman uh, when he did his basketball diplomacy projects. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's difficult because I think it's like people are happy to talk about it, you know, sort of off the record and, and listen to the record and be interested in it. But there's they're going to be there's a challenge in, in how to write about it and present it. So that's sort of the hurdle from my aspect in, in a PR sense um, in promoting it. Right. You've also mentioned that you've been working on a number of projects, including films in uh, different post-communist contexts. So how does this experience with North Korea compare to your previous experiences of uh, working with uh, perhaps similar topics? Well, so, I mean, yeah, it's interesting you say that. I mean, yeah, I've, I've done at this point two feature films, uh, which we shot in Albania. Uh, one of them was the, the remake of uh, the cult classic Castle Freak, which we shot uh, entirely on location in Albania. And it's interesting because um, Albania is, was kind of known as like the North Korea of Eastern Europe uh, during the communist era. Um, and and sort of, I would say that people who grew up under that, that system of Enver Hoxha um, are, were prob are probably wired very similarly to uh, North Koreans. And I actually encountered some of the same sort of attitudes when dealing with people in that country who grew up under the old system. So there were some sort of unique challenges in that sense. There were you know, some real similarities and maybe even a window 
into what it will be like doing, trying to do business with North Korea. So I think, it, so doing business in Albania was interesting because I thought it was almost like a window into like the future when maybe, um, you know, North Korea opens up uh, more in a business, set, starts engaging the world, uh, you know, in business wise, um, and is a little bit more open. Of course, in order for that to happen, um, we, you know, sanctions need to be lifted uh, and, and North Korea, of course, needs to have the opportunity to do that. And I think that a lot of the responsibility there is just as much on the West uh, as it is on North Korea. Um, in terms of projects, you know, working in the record industry, um, you know, it was not uh, different or unusual for the record label, Ship to Shore Phonico, because A, it's a personal project that taps into what's been a very consuming interest of mine over the last decade. But we at the label have always prided ourselves on thinking outside of the box. And I think if you look at our catalog, you can see that. So our, like, for instance, our first ever release in 2013 was actually on a cylinder record, like an Edison cylinder, which Time called the most retro release ever. And from there, we've built a brand as a boutique label. So in that sense, releasing Pyongyang Gold Stars feels very natural. And uh, it seems to have piqued the curiosity, not only of NK nerds like me and you, but also fans of the avant-garde, as it were. And in terms of intercultural cooperation, what would be the societal and cultural implications of this unique musical cooperation project for North Korea and perhaps for the international audience? Well, like I mentioned, or as may, it may have been inferred that I'm extremely pro-engagement with North Korea. So I personally only had positive experience and I never saw it as my mission to try to change anyone's way of thinking in North Korea. I just tried, find, I just tried to find ways to relate with the Koreans on a personal level, level. And I thought it was very much on me to be a representative of America and, and not live up to the stereotypes of Americans that are portrayed by North Korean state media. And I found that I always got positive responses with this approach, and that always led to more access and unique experiences in the country. Um, as for the larger picture, I think that the last few decades speak for themselves, and they show us what happens with an isolated North Korea. Things have gone from bad to worse, and I think it's only deepened the political divide between North Korea and the rest of the world. So again, you can say what you want about President Trump, And you know, while his summits didn't necessarily do anything to curb North Korea's nuclear program, we did have a state of detente, which would not have existed had President Trump and Marshal Kim Jong-un not engaged directly. So I think that the doctrine of uh, engagement should apply across the board. So whether it's engagement at the very top levels of government or North Korean middle school students recording an album of AHA cover songs. So this project, for instance, you know, led to Morton being able to bring those middle school students who performed on the record to Europe for multiple, multiple performances in multiple countries. So those students would have likely not have had the chance to do that. And audiences would have likely not had the chance to see and meet North Koreans in person, which of course puts a human face on a country so often used as a boogeyman by Western media. So engagement is good at all levels. And I cannot stress that enough. In my opinion, of course, I say all of this, this is my opinion. Looking at your future plans, we're talking here about volume one. What are your plans for continuing this project, especially now in the light of the pandemic? 
Um, well, I can say that there isn't a, and there are no concrete plans for volume two at, at this moment, but we do have plans to release several tracks which came from a Japanese and North Korean collaboration, which is called the North Korean Rock Project. Uh, you might've heard of that. Um, and that was also done with North Korean music students around the same time as Morton's project. So we do actually have that on deck and we plan to release that through the label. It's not a full album, it's, it's more of like an EP, but it's also really cool. And uh, I, well, I know that you'll, I know at least you'll enjoy it, Hildar, so. I, I'm, I'm sure I will. <laughs> that yeah. does sound very interesting. So hopefully Definitely. once the situation improves uh, with the coronavirus pandemic, you'll be able to resume your travels to the DPRK and perhaps uh, with Morton, you'll be able to start working on volume number two sometime potentially in the future. Well, in addition to the COVID-19 pandemic, the Biden administration also needs to roll back the Trump administration's travel ban on Americans using their passport to travel to North Korea. I think that, that it's very a very counterproductive uh, travel ban. I think it, it's funny because in the West, we criticize North Korea for not letting its citizens travel freely. And what are two things that North Korea and the United States have in common? Well, we've, they've restricted their citizens' right to travel. So I personally think the travel ban is unconstitutional. Uh, I hope that the Biden administration um, uh, repeals it. They've already done some some great things. I, I think that pulling out of Afghanistan was also a great move by the Biden administration. Let's keep up the good work and uh, and let's repeal that that uh, unconstitutional travel ban. I think that that's the way to go. Right. And on this note, many thanks again for this interview, and I wish you a great day. As for our listeners, I do hope that they will enjoy another track from your newly released album. And it is Ariron.